This is Stephen Monick. I write under the name Pete Rogers at the Great Geek Refuge, and welcome to episode two of Educated Guesses. Uh, I'm very excited about this episode because I have uh, one of the most knowledgeable people I ever met in my entire life about the subject of Spider-Man here with me, uh, my friend Jim O'Brien. Jim, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi there. Jim O'Brien here. Uh, I already, I don't know if I'd say, you've got to know somebody that knows more about him than me, but thank you for the... Uh, the compliment. Let me put it this way. In high school, in our physics class, we had a, a project that we were all doing where we had to make a car that moved with some sort of motion. It was kind of up to you. Jim literally made Spider Car and then wrote an entire song mimicking the Spider-Man theme song to Spider Car. So maybe not necessarily the most knowledgeable. He's definitely up there on that, but maybe one of the most passionate. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Well put. The car didn't run that well, but that did save my grade because that physics teacher was also a big fan of Spider-Man as well. Yeah, so it was, I mean, Spider-Car was cash money. Uh, So needless to say, today we're going to talk about Spider-Man. Obviously, there's a lot of hype around it right now because Captain America Civil War is coming out and everyone pretty much expects Spider-Man to be a decent part of that story. Uh, And then in 2017, Spidey is getting his own movie, his own franchise for the third time uh marvel and sony had that deal where they could use the characters in each other's movies but not necessarily own the rights and that kind of stuff um i want to get your thoughts on the first rumors here with the titles i read two so far one is the spectacular spider-man for the standalone movie the other one is spider-man the new avenger which one do you like more in the same vein as that second one i think i might have also seen spider-man Oh, no, I think you're right. The, fir- the the new Avenger, that does sound like the tagline. Um, I would think since with the first time they rebooted it, they wanted to go to Amazing because obviously that was the most popular title in the comics. I actually think Spectacular would make sense, but also as far as him being tied in with the greater Marvel Universe, that's obviously a good way to just let everyone know, oh, hey, that's why he hasn't been showing up in those other movies. Maybe he will now. Yeah, and to me that kind of like harkens back to the first Captain America movie. It's Captain America, the first Avenger. This is Spider-Man, the new Avenger, like the new class and everything. But for that's, continuity, I like Spectacular more because, I mean, Spider-Man is in the comics has had 75 different titles, basically. But yeah. amazing, spectacular, and then just the standalone Spider-Man, probably the, the three that had the most issues, wouldn't you say? Definitely. Um then you have, you get to your lower ones like your web of Spider Man, uh, Marvel Knights, uh, you know all those ones that just had limited runs. But you would be right. I think Spectacular would have to be the second most popular one. And if we title it Spectacular, maybe we can get into like some Clone Saga stuff. Yeah, and I think people would love that. Uh, obviously, they'd have no you know worries about fans not liking the storyline or anything. <laughs> Yeah, definitely one of the most popular stories that everyone loved in the 90s. I actually, um, that's another title, though. Uh, you, that's one they reset very briefly during the Clone Saga. Scarlet Spider, like the amazing Scarlet Spider. I believe they did the spectacular Scarlet Spider. So maybe they just name the next movie that and then have everybody get upset before they even see a poster or anything. That actually brings up a fantastic thing. I read that what they're going to have, whoever is playing Spider-Man, I think Ace of Butterfields, everyone pretty much assumes it. I don't think it's technically official. They haven't had like a big press release that, boom, he's our guy. But um, what I did read is that his 
Spider-Man costume early on is going to be very homemade looking. And I read somewhere online, someone's like, oh my god, is it going to be the cut-off blue hoodie, Scarlet Spider <laughs> outfit? Uh, well, how great. much would you love that? Yeah, just as like a reference, you obviously wouldn't have to do anything with it after that, but that'd be a fun way to show some people, oh look, we are not going to completely pretend it didn't happen, but that might be all you get. <laughs> yeah. But I would be a big fan of it. I've, al- I've always wanted to see that particular costume somewhere um, in some sort of live action setting. But yeah, that would be that a great way to do it. Like 90s to me, but not in like the bad way. Like some of the comics you look at, and like especially like I love the X Men. That was one of my favorite. And the '90s thing was like pouches. Everyone having belts and pouches everywhere. I got to carry all my stuff in all these pouches. Like if you put that on the movie screen, it would look utterly ridiculous. Yeah, but- like everybody had to have extra money for lunch. They were carrying like an extra cell phone. There's, I mean, and then in the issue, they never used them for anything. No, it was just pouches for the sake of having pouches. I don't know. I mean, Cable was always, like, notorious. He was, like, the future guy. I guess pouches are, like, the fashion of the future that he brought back to the 90s. But the Scarlet Spider one in the 90s, like, I wouldn't care to see that. I'd see that today. I mean, it would look homemade. It was what a kid would wear, you know? Like, if he's a 15-year-old kid picking out of his closet because he's going to run around and be a superhero, just cuts his sleeves off a hoodie, you know? Exactly. And, um, you know, even throw a red Under Armour shirt under it or something. That's one thing in, in both of the first franchises, you get to see a quick glimpse at a thrown together costume, whether it be him wrestling in the Sam Raimi films or even in the amazing film, uh, even just from the first mask he made, I thought, well, there you go. I I could never make that. I don't know who could, (laughs) but that was like his, you know, with scratch, like putting a help, like a hat and like sunglasses over it. But, you know, it'd be nice to see something like that that was really ragtag, sort of, just whatever he could get his hands on real quick, and that's what he runs out in the first time. And from the little clip that I read, I mean, that's, I guess, the thought of what they're going to go to, and that doesn't, like, to your point, that really doesn't differ from the other two franchises at all. Mm-hmm. Um, for the standalone movie, the other thing I read, that they're looking to have Drew Goddard as the director he directed. He only directed one movie that was Cabin in the Woods that him and like Joss Whedon did. But he's written on a ton of stuff. Like he wrote a lot of like the Daredevil stuff. He's written on Lost. Um, so oh. obviously he would have his hands in that. But also kind of like connected with with all the Marvel guys. Um, he doesn't have a huge huge like library of works already. But I mean, yeah. do you feel like he could do well by it? Well, um, what did Mark Webb do before they did Amazing? Because I remember. They announced who he he was directing the reboot, and immediately I just tried to look up, okay, well, what else did he do? I could be wrong. I want to say he did 500 Days of Summer and maybe some more. They said everything I read said his big thing was he was good at dialogue and, like, building relationships and stuff. But, um, and that would be my first concern with this guy, is um, if he's never directed before, uh, Andrew Webb's worry was the action, you know, how he would handle that from a first time getting that sort of budget and having to put together those sort of scenes. And I get that you can have people come in and help on that, but that, you know, I never saw Cabin in the Woods, but if he's been involved with Whedon and other stuff, I, you know, I, I'm sure he could do fine. Yeah, you, you were spot on. That's exactly what he direct Mark Webb, that is, he directed 500 Days of Summer. Um, looks like he's done a lot of work as well on music videos, like My Chemical Romance. He was actually one who directed... Um, Green Day's international super videos way back in the day. 
um, some of that kind of stuff. But yeah, he did three three doors down. Not a lot of like movie stuff, but yeah, I mean him and Gwen Stacy, their relationship that was probably the best part of Amazing Spider-Man. So they got the right guy if that's what they were going for. Yeah, um, and that was any anything you read on either of those first two movies, both pointed to that being the strongest part of it. So. You know, it's almost like this other director. If you would play to your strengths, uh, you know, why not? Yeah, and I gotta say, like, I saw... Did you see Cabin in the Woods? I did not. Okay, so basically, and sorry, spoilers for Cabin in the Woods that came out like five years ago. Um, yeah. Basically, it's a tongue-in-cheek playing on all of, like, the horror movie tropes. Like, it's like these five kids, they go to this Cabin in the Woods... And down in the basement, there's like all this horrifying stuff you've seen from every horror movie, you know, ever. Right. Like a old diary and a baby doll and all this kind of nonsense. And then there's this yeah. secret organization in the government, and they have to every so many years sacrifice these five archetype teenagers to <laughs> satiate these ancient deities, or else everything goes wrong. So all these horror movies you've seen where this organization sacrificing these kids to these different ghosts and stuff. Um, and so the thing that I like about that, I guess, is it, I don't want to say it's source material, but they definitely went back and hit on a lot of horror movies. I mean, Hellraiser, Friday the 13th, Alien, I mean, almost everything. There's a little, like, Easter egg nugget about those movies. So maybe, like, when they grab Mark Webb to do dialogue and, and character building, maybe this one will be really source material heavy. They'll go back and really grab a lot from the comics. Maybe that's what his forte is. Spider-Man subtitled Webb in the Woods. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, and Thor, the guy uh, Chris Hemsworth was in Cabin in the Woods, and Joss Whedon was like the producer on it. So I mean, it's all the, like like the tag that goes around. It's all connected. Yeah, he's he's in the family with all yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, the last little like rumor, and then I just want to get to like us fanboying out about what villains we want to see and stuff. Um, there are some little rumors going around right now that Ant Man, the movie that's coming out in about a month and a half is going to have some kind of Spider-Man reference, whether it's Oscorp somewhere, or I, I don't know. There isn't a lot of detail about what exactly, but a lot of people are saying, like, Spider-Man's first, like, reference is going to be an Ant-Man. Okay. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, that uh, makes perfect sense. They, uh, you know, the Daredevil show has already referenced the Bugle and uh, Ben Urich, and, you know, if you're going to get it all connected, that's the stuff that people love to see. You know, show something pop up in there. I think Oscorp makes perfect sense. Um, you kind of can't start any Spider-Man story without Oscorp popping up at least early. And um, a lot of people, I wouldn't mind if they did similar to what happened in the amazing franchise and just sort of keep Oscorp somehow tied to, you know, that's what ends up putting them in the accident to begin with. But uh, you know, that's an easy thing to throw in early in Ant-Man obviously there's a lot of technology involved in that movie and it could be a rival company or just any sort of throwaway. Oh, look now we know where that could be going down the road, down the road. Kind of like how Dr. Strange's name was just dropped in, in winter soldier, not really in a huge context, didn't delve on it and just, you know, they're talking about PIM laboratories and they're like, yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of people looking at it. We've had, you know, uh, to Stark Industries, Oscorp, then they just like list a couple companies, and everyone's like, "Oh, Oscorp! Oh my God, they said it!" Yeah, um, everyone like, gets all excited in the seats or whatever. Um, I think that's a great segue to something you and I talked about before about 
Green Goblin and uh, a certain Breaking Bad pairing that we'd like to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, how perfect would it be? Brian Cranston as Norman Osborn and Aaron Paul as his son Harry that just keeps on fighting for but can never get his approval and eventually it just drives him into rage and, and chaos. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were having a, a, a drink one night and we were just spitballing about Spider-Man because that's what we do in our free time and I said that it's a gym I'd read that people were like fan casting like Brian Cranston as Norman and then he's like, oh my god, Aaron Paul has to be Harry. And we started talking about it. It's like Break Bad kind of is the Norman Harry conversation yeah, I mean, is what the they comic. were in the comics for a lot of it, just in a yeah. very different context. Um, well, I mean, I, even in the comics, Harry ends up, uh, you know, real hooked on drugs, and he has to go to rehab. That you know, Aaron Paul already has his reps in doing all that stuff from the Breaking Bad. And Norman never really did the drugs, which you know, right. Walter White never did either. He was just kind of the businessman, and he was better than all that kind of stuff, and always looked down on Harry for being that kind of way. Absolutely. That, I mean, that was right there. I don't know that anybody needs to do fan casting past that. No, it's done, done. Yeah, um, give that Disney money and go get them. So, so my kind of educated guess on all of this is that I think Green Goblin is going to be the the main villain in some mm-hmm. kind of content. I don't know if it's going to be Norman. I don't know if it's going to be Harry, but it seems to be very important to the studios to get Green Goblin and Oscorp and everything established, kind of like you said, because that's a huge linchpin in the comics. It's a huge linchpin for like setting up the universe. Oscorp is too important not to have there, and I think they kind of waited too long to really delve into what Norman was doing. Like they try to keep in the shadows, and Norman's too important um, to Oscorp the way they did it in Amazing. Did you like how Norman Osborn was portrayed in, in the Amazing series? Uh, well, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't even show any part of him in, uh, the first one, correct? I think they go, they show like a silhouette on a screen at the main building. And, uh, I mean, there's people that talk to him, but I don't think we physically see more than, I don't even think there's a hand or anything, you know, like that blackout villain style. Um, but they do mention that he's there and, you know, that's why they're doing, he's pushing all this money into this research is because he's dying. Um, which is interesting because then that kind of tells you from the get-go, well, either... And what surprised me was at least the, what they implied in Amazing 2 was, okay, well, he you know he didn't make it. He's dead. It's like, oh, okay, well, I guess he's just not ever coming back. But, you know... Uh, so, that I mean, if they would have fleshed more stuff out, as long as there's a good story there, I'm not saying that couldn't have worked, but... The problem was they they didn't, and then the second one just kind of ended very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, the the whole entirety of the Osborne family in general, like, in the second one, I don't know if you got this feeling. I certainly did. The whole Harry-Peter relationship, they're like, oh, by the way, this was a thing. Like, yeah. We didn't tell you about it in the first movie or anything, but, like, they were best friends, and now it's a whole thing. And I don't remember, like ever in the comics feeling that way like i felt genuinely like they've had a relationship for a long time and they had seeds and they talked about it and stuff but in amazing too they just were like oh harry's back remember how you guys were best friends yeah and that was so forced i agree um and then it's kind of tough you watch and you sit through the 
whole movie. And they, they just kind of, they didn't even just say it once. It was a couple times, you know, just, Oh, Hey, remember this? Oh yes. Yes. I remember doing that thing that you said right there. <laughs> and, you know, just so from that standpoint, if you're going to start all over again, he doesn't have to be the main bad guy, but you could put him in there to show, okay, this family at least is very tied to Peter Parker's life and where the, you know, the events in his life end up going. But, and I think if you are going to have Norman Osborn as the green goblin, like if they decide to go that route as the villain, I think something that's really cool that would be different than any of the other movies is it isn't like a split personality where he takes the serum and then his his mind is broken. Like, yeah. I'd love to see where he has these traces of insanity and kind of wants power, like he's ready to take it from another level before he even takes the goblin formula, and that just kind of ups it. Like, it just kind of enhances his already tyrannical bad guyness. Um, he's always plotting and devious and everything like that. I always felt that was the Norman from Ultimate. Like, Ultimate, you could tell from, like, minute one, he was a bad guy. He didn't care about Peter getting bit. Like, he wanted him captured. Like, he always was a bad guy. And then when he took this, the, what they call it, the Oz serum or whatever, yeah, that, that just made him, like, even, like, super nuts and transformed his body into a monster. Mm-hmm. I would like that version of Norman more so than, like, nothing against Willem Dafoe's, but they made it like there was Norman and then there was the Green Goblin and he couldn't coincide and i think that's more the amazing version is that correct right and i'd say the norman that sam raimi did was very much the one that you got in probably the 70s and 80s where all those older stories amnesia was one of the easiest things in the world to throw in as a plot device norman would just become the green goblin fight peter and somehow every time as soon as they were done amnesia would kick in and he would forget he was the great goblin and they and they kept him back to that so they could have him pop up whatever but still keep norman osborne around and without you know i actually think they balanced it pretty well in the first one but i I agree um you've kind of already seen that so why not show just more of a straightforward cutthroat does whatever he has to do to get what he wants with Norman Osborn. Yeah. Now moving away from Green Goblin and everything, I mean, just give me like the top three villains. You are, they, they give you a call. Marvel gives you a call and says, Jim, we want you to come work on the Spider-Man movie. We need you to write up a couple of scripts. What are like the three villains you would pick out that we haven't seen yet in a Spider-Man movie? Uh, definitely Shocker. Um, I would say... Rhino and Boomerang. No, um, I would probably, ones we haven't seen, uh, I think Craven could be very well done if they put the right backstory to it. Um, I believe I already said this to you at one point, but that big hulking guy from uh, Game of Thrones, um, I think it's Jason Momoa. Correct. It doesn't have to be him, but somebody that's just an imposing build like that, and you work something in, you know, performance-enhancing drugs, whatever, just to put him up past a regular human's level and just... I mean, that that storyline could be worked in, I think. He could even be hired from somebody to come in and just get rid of Spider-Man, and that's all the setup you need. But um, he's a classic one. I like that so far they have tried to keep it back with classic originals. Obviously, Dr. Octopus was a big one as well, and that was the next one they went to. Um, I'd like to see the Venom storyline get 
its fair shake in a movie. You know, that's... If you're not cramming it into the last third of a movie or something like that, I think that right there could be a whole uh, early film. And that's obviously one of the most famous villains he has. And an- another one that wasn't... Maybe not an A-lister, but I think would be very interesting to see on screen would be Scorpion. Um, just because... They could do a lot of cool stuff with... He's essentially just a guy in a really advanced mechanical exoskeleton made you know, to mimic a scorpion's abilities because it's an obvious uh, predator for spiders. So I think those three would be my top picks. How about you? Yeah, yeah I, I, I like the scorpion pick because since it is allowed to use the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff, it would be so easy to write a storyline where someone gets their hands on Stark tech. You know, maybe at the end of Iron Man three, when they when he blew up all those suits, like one of the bombs malfunctioned, and they got one of those like Iron Man suits and adapted into a Scorpion suit. Like it'd be so easy to do. Um, right. I agree with those ones. Um, if I if I have to pick three other ones, um, I always liked. Uh, I like Craven. Actually, it's hard to get away from that one because it's kind of cool. Some young kid who has a lot of talent versus like the most experienced, like an older guy, like someone who's been around the block a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always liked the ones that match Spider-Man's power with subterfuge, like Chameleon or Mysterio. Like Spider-Man couldn't always rely on just his strength and his physical abilities to beat the villain down. Um, he had right. to use his intellect. And I, again, nothing against the other. Spider-Man series because I love them both but that was one side other than like inventing his web fluid um, or just a couple scenes where they show that Spider-Man like went to college they never showed to me a lot that he was like a true like genius and he really is in the comics I mean he is a scientific genius so a villain that matches his physical wits but also his mental wits is something I'd like to see so Chameleon or Mysterio I'd like to see that would be pretty cool Um, and then when we're looking at the the new Spider-Man series, again, the rumors that are kind of out there is you're seeing people talking about they, they want to do four movies, one each year of high school. So they're going to keep it very young. And during the high school years, Peter had a couple girlfriends, you know, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy. We've seen both as the primary female in his life in the two series. Do you have a preference on who you'd want to see in the new one or one of the other girls he sees that hasn't been shown yet? Um, it's a good question. I feel like the shame of them doing Amazing 2 and it being the most recent movie, uh, I would rather see them actually do Gwen Stacy from the get-go, but then everybody just kind of waits for a movie where they kill her because that's, that's what ends up, she ends up being famous for in the comics. Um, so as much as I'd like to see that, uh, you could always just bring her in later and maybe it's just a side character. So I, I would say Mary Jane makes the most sense unless you want to go with, well, then again, if he's a high school kid, then your older ones like Betty Brandt, who has a job at a newspaper that just comes off as creepy. You can't do that now. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so any of the earlier ones are that I can remember weren't, you know, high school you could do Liz Allen, you know, just to have somebody nearby because uh, she ends up marrying Harry Osborne down the line. But past that, I I can't really think of uh, ones, given the age range I did, that would make yeah. much sense. Yeah, I mean, outside of, like, rewriting some of the characters, like, they'd have to, like, rewrite Carly Cooper or something like that. Um, right. Was Liz Allen, to off the top of your head, was she 
like a character in any of the other Spider-Man movies? Like, did they ever reference her ever? I don't think so. No, because uh, the closest they gave Harry the only love interest in the original three was Mary Jane, um, and I don't. They never even mentioned her once. Hmm. So it'd be somebody new you could drop in there. Uh, I think Flash Thompson appeared in both, but Liz Allen was never shown in any of them. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Um, and I, I remember from Amazing Two, and it was scrapped. But the the actress that was in the, the those Divergent movies, uh, Shailene Woodley, she mm-hmm. was going to play MJ. And I guess she's come out and said that she has interest in playing MJ in the newer Spider-Man movies. And that would be a really good way to get a different segment of the population to come see a Spider-Man movie. Like all the Divergent fans would par- perhaps follow her. Um, I, w- I would just be afraid that they'd like make it such a teen movie that I'd feel like a creep sitting in the theater, like watching it with all these little kids or whatever. Yeah, I get what you mean because the first ones, I think, what was Tobey Maguire, 30? He might have been older than 30 even when they started in, at least they start him in high school, but it's sort of, no, but everyone in there is over six feet tall, and, you know, yeah. like. They just expect you to go with it. Now, Asta Butterfield, I did see the one movie that I even know of that he's in was Ender's Game, and I saw it, and he was perfectly fine in it. Um, I, you know, I liked the book. I liked the movie version of that as well. But, um, I, you know, I haven't seen him since then, so I don't know what he looks like now age-wise too. So, And I don't know how old Shailene Woodley is. Because if, if they do pick somebody that is that just has that really, really young look on screen, it might even roll out some uh, older actresses that they might be thinking of. But again, like you said, they're not set on him as of yet. Yeah. It it seems like the, the popular opinion, like the kind of behind the scenes is like, yeah, Marvel's already picked him. They just haven't announced it yet, but they haven't announced it for a reason. So I don't know Um, unless they're planning to do like a civil war. Spider-Man removes his mask, like in the comics. And that's how they tell everyone. Um, yeah, so I mean that's that's pretty much the majority of kind of the rumors, the guesses, the speculation, and the the fan oh, point that I had. Any other points or anything that you wanted to go over? I don't think the we talked about it, but the last rumor I heard for Norman was uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh my God, how did we even forget that? Yeah. Um, so, real quick, I guess, what would be your thoughts on him taking over that role? You know, three years ago or so, I probably would have been like. Uh, that's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous to think of Matthew McConaughey in that kind of role. But then looking at his body of work that he's done, I mean, over the last five years, I should say, I mean, it's ranging all over the place. Like he only had that little bit at the beginning of like the Wolf of Wall Street. Then he can do Uh something like crazy, like, you know, Magic Mike, where it's kind of goofy and silly and, like, girls, you know, are going to come see it. And I think that's what they're trying to do is pick people that's going to broaden the type of audience member that they're going to bring in. And love him or hate him, you know, love or hate his movies, he does have a a pretty big draw on people like the butts uh, that he can put in the seats, basically. Um, And I don't think he's a terrible actor. I mean, uh, again, five years ago, I would have said he is, but... Exactly. I, I think he's really grown and, and expanded the type of role that he can play. I don't think he'd actually be that terrible. Obviously, he can he can pull the hair part of it off. Right, and few people can say that. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. I 
like you probably five years ago, if he was in something, I almost rolled my eyes because odds are it was more of a chick flick than anything. And then he comes out and he does Dallas Buyers love. So I agree. Yeah, I think he'd be – he looks – I have no part believing him looking the part for it. And like you said, that's – everybody knows who Matthew McConaughey is. So once he's on posters and in the advertising for it, you've instantly put more people in the theaters. He's one of those names for me, much like when Ben Affleck was first announced to play Batman. Like, your first blush is like, really? But then the more yeah. you think about it, you're like, well, yeah, he could pull off, like, the businessman, like, he's in the suit. He could pull off, like, the billionaire kind of rich guy side of it. Um, obviously, he, he's in shape, so he can play, you know, the physical side of it. Um, if he can pull off, like, the crazy, you know, cackling goblin, sure, why not, you know? Yeah, and and... He's at a point too where I think in any interview I said I saw nothing about him was trying to shoot it down, uh, and that might be something. It, it, there's so many A-listers in these movies now that I, I don't think anybody necessarily shies away from them. I think if anything, the top, the top shelf, top level talents are just like waiting for a really big, really good role. You know what I mean? Like, would you have thought Paul Rudd would be in the Marvel Universe in a couple of years? I wouldn't have, but, you know, everything gets more and more popular and they start just being able to pick from all over. And so I could I could see that being a really good fit. Absolutely. From what I read about McConaughey is the only thing that was a hesitation for him is, like, Marvel locks you in for such long periods. And he's saying, like, if I'm going to play a character, if I'm going to be in, in these movies, I have to realize that it's not just a one-shot deal like I'm going to have to be that character most likely multiple movies over a, a franchise so it's got to be something that I I really can do and really want to be a part of because else I'm not going to commit myself to something I don't want to do and that's fair that's a hundred percent fair because you've seen what Robert Downey Jr. and the different contracts and stuff that he's had Marvel's made him a household name and extremely wealthy but I, I guess you can only play the same character for so long yeah very cool. Well, uh, Jim, I want to thank you for, for stopping on and jumping on Educated Guesses. This will not be the last time because uh, as, as much of an authority as Jim is on, on Spider-Man and everything, he and I can talk about any kind of comic books, movies, anything like that. So I guarantee that he's going to be back on the podcast as a, as a regular as well. Um, any last thoughts, Jim? Uh, just thanks for having me. Uh, anytime you want to just shoot the breeze about Spider-Man, that's fine by me. Okay, so we've renamed the title to Spider-Man Guesses with Steve and Jim. Oh, I didn't know there were others. Oh, no, this is just me and you. Okay, okay. Perfect. Well, awesome. Well, guys, thanks again for stopping in and listening to Educated Guesses. Uh, for Jim, I'm Steve, and keep on guessing, guys. Have a good one. Take my-